0: The well is an ordinary place that takes on extraordinary meaning through encounters with Jesus. Join Father Anthony Messer from St Timothy and St Athanasius Church in Arlington, Virginia in search of transformation, healing, revival and refreshment. Good morning, everyone, and I'm not exactly sure how I'm supposed to follow that up, okay? But we'll do our best here. We'll do our best. You guys just stick with me. But hopefully, everybody's awake, everybody's energized, and ready to go. Uh, if this is your first time joining us in the series, we're actually in the finale of the series. This is the end right here. Don't cheer too hard. I heard some cheering. Okay, just just relax. Okay, and uh, what we've been talking about, as the title states, is in everything a life of Thanksgiving. So, in the first week, if you missed that, just a quick recap. You can go back and watch it later. But basically in the first week, what we discussed is we looked and journeyed with the people of Israel, right? If you remember, we looked at the book of Exodus, okay? Like a book that we like to read every day, okay? Before you go to sleep, I'm sure you read the book of Exodus every day. So it's a book that we read and we journeyed with the people of of Israel in the book of Exodus. And we saw that in chapter after chapter after chapter, okay? We went through chapter 14, 15, 16, 17, back to back to back to back. The theme was the same. God would deliver them, they would complain. God would deliver them some more, they would complain again. God would deliver them again, they would do that. Okay, they would complain. Over and over again. It was non-stop. It was just complaining, complaining, complaining. Very little thanks, a lot of complaining. And what we discussed in that first part is that what we realized is the complaining and the thanksgiving is not just circumstantial, but it's really a mindset. It's something that we have to actually work on and develop. If you remember, our three foundational things that we kicked off the series with what are these right here, is that we have to recognize our negative tendencies, we have to renew our minds, um, and we have to rejoice in God's gifts, okay? We talked about recognizing our negative tendencies because naturally, for whatever reason, that's where our minds kind of go. Our minds kind of tend to be cup half empty approach rather than cup half full, okay? For example, if your car breaks down, you're not thinking about like, oh, I guess it's going to be fun trying to figure out a new car, okay? You gotta automatically think about things that the car broke down, right? It's just naturally, that's how we think. Second thing we talked about is the importance of renewing our minds daily, okay? And that's in, in the Word of God, and because God is telling us who He is and who we are to Him, and that's really important. And we talked about also rejoicing in God's gifts. So that was the first week. Then last week, we talked about letting it go, okay? If you missed last week, we talked about letting it go, and you guys wrote down your prayers or the things that you wanted to let go on a note card. We took them, and we prayed for those things on the altar, like we took your prayers. Actually, I'll tell you kind of behind the scenes. I took your prayers, and even before this Sunday, I took your prayers after the well last Sunday, went to the altar, and we prayed right then and there. I said, I don't want to miss an opportunity to pray for everything that people have on their heart, so we prayed for it right then and there on the altar. And we said, we got to let go of the things that weigh us down, the barriers that get between me and God, the things that I want to live a life of thanksgiving. I want to say thank you, God. I want to be joyful and live that life, but there are just things that are weighing me down, And that's what we talked about last week. So as we're wrapping up this series, today is the last day, and and we kind of just want to wrap it up. The question that I wanted to tackle with you today is a question that is naturally going to come up as we go through any series, okay? You'll learn something. It'll be fun for a couple of weeks. But then, what now? What next? The question that I had on my mind, and maybe you have it on your mind, is a life of Thanksgiving possible? Is it really possible? Like we talked about it the first week, talked about it the second week, and we, have, we had practical things that we were going to do. But is it really possible when it comes down to it? Sometimes, sometimes, the best thing the devil can get you to do is nothing. Sometimes, the best thing that the devil can get you to do is nothing. The best thing, like, sometimes we think, devil wants me to sin and to fall into this thing. Sure, sometimes. But sometimes, the best thing, the best thing the devil can get you to do is absolutely nothing. So maybe at one point you were moved in this series about something that was in your heart and you said, you know what, maybe I do need to live this life with things. I need to change things a little bit. And the devil's going to come. And you say, come on, that sounds like a lot of work. Like, who has time for that? Like, your life is hard. Don't people understand, like, the circumstances that you've got going around you? Like, who's going to do all this? And maybe you're thinking to yourself, maybe I'll start, but I know I'm going to fail. Well, if by that approach, we would never do anything in life, okay? If, if my approach in life was, I'm not going to do X because I'm going to fail, then I'm really going to do nothing, ever. Because naturally, in everything in life, you're going to have your ups and your downs. My hope is that as we end the series today is that you're believing and you're really convicted that this life of Thanksgiving is not only possible, it's actually sustainable. Like, it's not something that's like, pie-in-the-sky theory. I'm saying we can actually do this. Our memory verse, in case you forgot, is from 1 Thessalonians, where St. Paul tells us, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The part that always gets me in this verse is that this is the will of God. The will of God is for us to be people of thanksgiving, to live lives of thanksgiving And if you remember, we talked about if I want it and God wants it, we know also the devil wants the opposite. If I want it and God wants it, the devil wants the opposite. That's how it works. Our challenge is going to be to not be afraid to take that next step, to not be afraid to say, you know what, what I heard this in this series is not going to go in one ear and just out the other. So I'm really going to try to practice this and I'm applying this as much as I can. And believe me, I'm not speaking, I'm not speaking at you, I'm speaking with you because this is hard. This is a challenge. So for me, the entire series, I feel like I've been living in, I feel like God like, put me in this series and just said, okay, now you do it. Like whatever you're going to say up here, now you do it. So we all go through stuff and like, everybody's good and great and everything is fine, but we have to do it. We have to do it because it is the will of God in our lives. And if there's any part of you that's fear or anxiety or unsure or maybe scared of failure or whatever it may be, here's something that Elisha the prophet told one of his servants he says, do not be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Okay, they're being attacked and he was afraid. And he said, oh my goodness, it's just me and Elijah. He said, no, 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 don't be afraid. Those who, are with us are more and are, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. We need to stop acting like we're living our lives on our own. The grace of God is very powerful. And God sends his saints, his angels to help us. Okay, so we're not doing this on our own. We're doing this with God. The question for us is how do we make sure that this is actually sustainable in the long run? That's the question. Because there's going to be times, and I guarantee you, there's going to be times, and again, maybe these past two weeks you've lived it, there's going to be times where you don't want to live a life of Thanksgiving. Like, you want to complain. You feel like, I I want to complain. I want to be angry. I want to be sad. Don't tell me to give thanks. You're going to have those feelings in those moments. First thing I wrote down as I was thinking about this to myself and knowing that these times are going to come. The number one thing we have to do is no matter what happens, is we have to remain in the presence of God. Remain in the presence of God. And I know we say that a lot. But I think this is so vital and so important, especially when we're going through those difficult times. Because some of us, when we go through those difficult times, we tend to drift away. Okay, forget a life of Thanksgiving. We just drift away altogether. But I'm telling you, there's nothing more powerful Then when you're confused, you're doubting, you're angry, you're sad, you're in despair, you're in whatever, that you remain in the presence of God. One of my favorite stories, we're going to go through it together today, is in John chapter six. Okay, John chapter six is famous for one of the greatest miracles of all time that's recorded in all of the gospels, is the five loaves and the two fish. Okay, everybody loves the five loaves and the two fish. And it's a beautiful, beautiful story. But what happens after the the miracle, like we look at the miracle and we say, wow, God did something amazing and the people had an amazing response. But what happens after the miracle, especially in the Gospel of St. John, is kind of strange. Things take a turn. If you remember, Jesus does the five loaves and the two fish and the Gospel of John, he tells them, this miracle was a sign for something greater. This miracle was a sign. Like, I'm not here to just give you bread. I am the bread of life. Okay, if you remember that statement. And then Jesus doing only what Jesus can, says the most shocking statement of all time. He says the most shocking statement of all time. Imagine somebody comes up here. Imagine I come up here today and I say the following. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. For my flesh is food indeed and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Forget everything you know if you, like, you grew up in the church. Forget everything you know about like, the Eucharist. And yeah, like I've heard this verse before. Forget everything you know about that. Take this at face value. How would you react to a statement like this? This is shocking, scandalous, con- at the very least confusing. Like on one hand, we know this man is a great, like maybe they thought he was like a great prophet. Okay, Clearly he's sent by God. He just took five loaves, two fish and fed, some people estimate about 20,000 people. That's crazy. Like 20,000 people? If you all came to my house today, and I said, and I called Jerry, he's like, hey, I just invited a few people at, 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 uh, from church just to come over and you know, can we just whip up something real quick? He said, sure, how many people are coming? Oh, I don't know, like 300. What would you respond? <laughs> he's like, uh, that's not like a whipping up real quick type of thing. Like, we need a plan for this. Well, if this, let's just say we're a few hundred people here, imagine 20,000 people, and Jesus takes five loaves, two fish, and says, oh, that's enough. I can feed 20,000 people with that. So on the one hand, you look at that, and the people are looking at that, the disciples are looking at that, and they're saying, wow, that's crazy. Jesus did, um, like, there's nothing this man can't do, this, he's incredible. And then he follows it up with this. This is like, this is the follow-up? Like, if you were like a marketing genius, you'd go the miracle, and you say, okay, now follow me. But this is the follow-up. It doesn't make any sense we see that the response of not just the people, okay, the response of the people was crazy, but some, of, some specific people had a weird response to this. Or some of us would say, probably not that weird. Listen to this. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Let's pause here for a second. From that time, many of who? His disciples. Jesus, who just performed an amazing miracle, like, this is an amazing miracle. Up, follow it up with, now who's with me? Who's going to follow me? Everybody. Like, everybody would follow him. But he followed up with a statement that was so shocking that his disciples, some of his disciples, left him. And then, not, so Jesus kind of doubled down, okay, in the statement before. Then he triples down. And he looks around, he looks at the twelve, and he says, do you also want to go away? Oh my goodness. like, this is like everything anti-ministry, okay? If you're building like a ministry or corporation or whatever, Jesus, are you trying to lose business? Like, are you trying to lose business? trying to lose followers? Like, what's going on? This is us in life. Sometimes we're going through life and we are presenting with certain circumstances and the circumstances are great and we're saying, thank you, God. God did so many great things in my life. Thank you, God. 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 And then the same God, there's another set of circumstances. And I'm like, what are these? How could the God who gave me this allow this? The two don't make sense. I'm confused. That's the disciples. And some of them walked away. They didn't remain in his presence because they couldn't get it. They got the five loaves and the two fish and said, wow. But then this, this didn't make sense. So they couldn't hold on to this anymore. From this episode, we get one of my favorite verses of all time, one of the, like, the best mic drop verses of all time. So Jesus looks at the 12, and he says, hey, not let me explain to you what just happened. Let me explain to you what I'm talking about. Do you want to go away also? And somebody is bold enough, and you can probably guess who it is, to speak up, St. Peter. But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is a mic drop moment for St. Peter. That is the best answer of all time. Notice what St. Peter is not saying. St. Peter is not saying, oh yeah, I get the eat the flesh and drink blood thing. That's like, that's easy. That's like elementary school stuff. That's not what St. Peter is saying. St. Peter is saying, like what St. Peter is saying here is, truthfully, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, don't, I got the, the five loaves and the two fish. We got that. I don't get this. But what I do know is I have nowhere else to go. I got nobody else. There's nowhere else to go. What could I possibly do? You have the words to eternal life. We know that you're the Christ, that you're here to redeem us, that you're here to save us. I don't get it. I'm confused, but I'm not going to go anywhere. St. Peter what he teaches us in this moment and we'll come back to St. Peter is no matter what I will remain in his presence no matter what I will remain in his presence when I'm confused when I'm doubting when I'm angry because we're talking about a life of thanksgiving so of course there's going to be the opposite things are going to happen it's easy to, to thank God when things are going well that's easy but what St. Peter's telling us is there's, there's nowhere else to turn there's nowhere else to go you have to remain in his presence. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the worst eternal life. And we know you're the Christ. Sometimes uh, I've seen people in the past like leave the church because something happens in their life and, and they don't like understand why it happens. And and just kind of as a, as a heads up, sometimes people come to us expecting that I have an explanation for why this and this happened. Explain to me why this and this happened. I'm saying, I would love to, but sometimes I don't know. Like I'm not God. I don't know why this and this happened. I would love to be like, oh yeah, I'm so smart that I can give you a theological answer why this person got cancer and not that person. I would love to. I would love to tell you why this person is going through this real struggle at home or at work or whatever, but this person is doing fine and getting promoted everywhere. I would love to, but I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is this. Remain in his presence. Remain in his presence. And sometimes you don't like that answer, but truthfully, this is the way through life. This is the only way through life: is remaining in His presence. And when I've seen this in the past, when people leave, and in my mind, and, and I've said this, where are you going? Like, okay, you you had a situation here, a circumstance, and you had no explanation, and you were confused, and you left. Where are you headed to? Are you going to get the answer out there? I, you're not going to get the answer anywhere else. Where are you going? This to me breaks my heart more than anything else is when I see people leaving when they don't have to leave and then they start chasing things and like as if, as if, if they can find this one thing outside then now they're going to be satisfied. But I'm saying what you need to be satisfied even in the midst of the confusion, the anger, the doubt, the everything is right here. You got to remain in his presence. Remaining in the presence of Christ in our relationship with him and our commitment to following him in our church life That's what we need. That's how we sustain that life of Thanksgiving. The second thing is we got to be patient. I believe, when we talk about patience, I believe that uh, like a few years from now, imagine like when my my kids are old as me, they're going to be talking about patience the way we talk about dinosaurs, okay? (laughs) Like it's going to be an extinct virtue. It's going to be extinct because think about it. Think about your life. If your laptop is slow, you're like, oh, this thing is the worst. This thing is a piece of junk. Anybody remember, like, uh, dial-up? Okay, anybody remember dial-up? Okay, remember, remember the weird noises your internet used to make to start up? And you're like, is this thing going to explode? Or, like, what's going to happen? You remember that? It seems like ages ago, ages ago. But this is our lives now. Like, patience out the window. Amazon, okay? Amazon has taught us all impatience, okay? If something takes longer than two days, and especially with the poor delivery, by the way, be nice to those delivery guys during this Christmas season, okay? Like, they're carrying, like, tons of, of gifts and all this stuff, and it's like, my thing is not going to come before, she was telling me yesterday, I ordered something where it's not going to come until after Christmas. I'm like, yeah, they got, like, a million things, like, they're not Santa Claus, like, they're not going to, what- what's going on here? Of course, but our patience level is going down and down and down and down, and I'm afraid that we're going to extrapolate that in our lives, like in our spiritual lives. St. James tells us why it's so important to be patient. And actually, we Father Anthony shared this in a sermon earlier today. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. We don't develop the life of Thanksgiving overnight. That takes time. That takes patience. It's a process of perfection or completion, a process of perfection or completion, lacking nothing. So we have to remain in the presence of Christ. We have to be patient. That's the only way. St. Peter, when he said to Christ, to whom shall we go? Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. He had an opportunity, a chance to practice what he preached. Because all the other disciples, we didn't hear from them. Okay, we give St. Peter a hard time. But the same St. Peter that denied Christ, which we'll get to in a bit, is that St. Peter that spoke up. Like, this was a chance. Imagine like a stock. You see a stock going up, up, up. That's like the five loaves and the two fish. And then, eat my flesh, drink my blood. The stock's coming back down, okay? The stock's coming back down. Because this was a vital moment in the ministry where the disciples could have walked away. But St. Peter was the one who spoke up and said, we're not going anywhere. Nobody's going anywhere. St. Peter had a chance to practice this patience. And... We all know the story, okay, about St. Peter denying Christ. But maybe some of us, like, we don't focus on his actions after denying Christ. So we know he, like, we always see, like, St. Peter and Judas, okay? So, Saint, like, they were both sorrowful after what they did, okay? Like, St. Peter wept. Judas was really sorrowful, okay? So, but one of them remained. One of them was patient. And the other one left. Listen to what St. Peter was going through and what he was doing after the denial. This is from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, one of the most beautiful chapters in the Gospels. After these things, Jesus, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathanael of Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Okay, let me just explain what's going on. So Jesus had already shown himself to the disciples multiple times after his death. So they knew he was risen. They knew he was risen. Then they're sitting together, okay, but Jesus wasn't with them the way he was with them, like he wasn't with them all the time, so he left. So they're sitting together, and the disciples are together. And St. Peter's there with the rest of the disciples. And he tells them, I just want to go fishing. If you were to explain the spirit of what's going on in Peter's heart, you would say defeated, defeated. You say, how how can you be defeated like Christ is risen? How can we have Christ is risen and defeated St. Peter? Well, you have to understand St. Peter. St. Peter was the most zealous. St. Peter, you could count on St. Peter. St. Peter would do anything for Christ. And if you remember, he told Christ, even if they abandon you, I'm not going to abandon you. So that was St. Peter. St. Peter, his heart was like on fire for God, but St. Peter fell. St. Peter denied, and they all ran away. So St. Peter in that moment, despite the resurrection, still felt defeated. So he didn't have it in him. Like I imagine, after the denial, he couldn't even really look like the other disciples in the eye. Because before they knew, St. Peter, you know how you knew how St. Peter was. But afterwards, kind of like defeated St. Peter. Down Saint Peter. But what I love about St. Peter is despite all of that, he wasn't in the best state, maybe. But he hung around. He remained in the presence. When Christ appeared, St. Peter was there with the rest of the disciples. He wasn't like, where's Peter? He hung around, he remained patient because he knew. He knew that Jesus would not give up on him. He knew that no matter what happened, Jesus would not give up on him. And that not only he wouldn't give up on him, that he would receive something from Jesus despite his failures. He expected to receive something. What St. Peter shows us, and we're going to see how, that, how it works out here in just a second, is remaining in his presence. This, that's, this is the formula for today. We remain in the presence of Christ. We're patient, okay? We try our best to practice some patience. And then we expect to receive from God. I know it sounds like we shouldn't say this in church. We expect to receive from God. We expect to receive from God. We expect to receive something that's custom made for me and you since we're talking about gifts, okay, a custom-made gift. Now, what that looks like could be different for every single person. And sometimes that gift, sometimes that gift is easy and it's a blessing and it's great. Sometimes that gift is not easy. But regardless, we expect to receive a gift from God that is custom-made for us that is better for us in the long run. I can't imagine... How hard it was for somebody who was so confident that he was following Christ, that he was willing to die for Christ, and then to have the failure that he had to deny Christ, he felt nothing. But he hung around. He remained in in the presence of God. He remained in the presence of his fellow disciples, that's like the church. He remained. He was patient. And after remaining and being patient, he received something unique, specific for, custom made for, St. Peter himself. And we read about it in his conversation with Jesus on the shore. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, or Jonah, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. I love this back and forth. If you were to ask St. Peter, St. Peter, what do you want from Christ? Christ is risen. You're feeling defeated. What do you want? I think St. Peter would have said, all I want is to say sorry and him to say, it's okay. That's it. That's really all I want. I just want to say sorry and him to say, that's okay. Like, it's okay, I forgive you. But Jesus had bigger plans. Jesus had bigger plans for St. Peter. It wasn't just forgiveness. Like, we think forgiveness is the highest thing. Forgiveness is great. But Jesus had bigger plans for St. Peter. Jesus gave him forgiveness, but he gave him more than that. He said, now you're going to be part of the divine plan. You're going to be part of the plan of salvation. You're going to be part of the story. People are going to read about you. You're going to go out and you're going to preach. You're going to go out and you're going to heal You're going to go out and you're going to baptize. Like, that's crazy. I guarantee you that after this moment, Peter was so thankful. He was so thankful, so grateful. He could never forget this encounter with Christ. He could live the rest of his life, could never forget this. He had many encounters. He could never forget this encounter. where Christ took him back, he said, not only do I forgive you, but I'm going to do something even greater. I'm going to put you in the ministry. I'm going to make you great, St. Peter. You know, Jesus actually predicted this. Jesus predicted this in the Gospel of St. Luke, we read, that he tells St. Peter a very scary statement. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan wants to what? Swift you like wheat, like crush you, destroy you. But don't worry, I prayed for you. And when you return, strengthen the brethren. So Jesus, this is, this is, this is how great God is. Jesus predicted the denial he predicted the forgiveness, and he predicted his role in the ministry afterwards, way before it happened. Jesus is the greatest gift giver. Okay, I know we're all about the gifts during this season, okay? He's the greatest gift giver. If you have someone in your life that's, that's, that's like, good at gifts, you appreciate this. Like, if you have somebody in your life, who here is good at gift giving? Okay, raise your hand if you're good at gift giving. Okay, not that many. Okay, I'm surprised. All right, all well, right. That's okay. I don't like gifts anyway, so it's okay. Um, but if you're, not, if you're not good at gift giving, but you have somebody in your life that is really good at gift giving, okay, like my wife is like much more thoughtful than I am when it comes to gift giving. I'm sure you could predict that. Um, but if you have somebody in your life that's good at gift giving, you appreciate the thoughtfulness. You appreciate that it's not just like here's an Amazon gift card. Like the customization of it. That's Jesus with us. That's Jesus with St. Peter. But the only way The only way St. Peter was going to receive that gift is if he remained in his presence and he was patient and then he was going to expect to receive something great from God. Why this is so important as we're talking about thankfulness and being thankful and having that thankful mindset? Because you can work on becoming thankful like the things that we talked about, recognizing those negative tendencies, right? Renewing our minds, rejoicing in God's gifts. We could do all that stuff. But ultimately... There will absolutely come a time where you don't feel thankful. Thankful is not a feeling. There's gonna come a time where you don't feel thankful. You're gonna be going through stuff in life and you're not gonna feel thankful. It could be, I did something and I'm ashamed, right? Something, again, like we talked about last week, something kind of weighing me down. It could be a circumstance and I don't understand why the circumstance is here. Whatever it may be, there's gonna come a time where I don't want to be thankful, I don't feel thankful, but our calling and what we learned today from St. Peter is in order for me to receive something great from God, in order for me to sustain this life of thanksgiving, I have to remain in the presence of God. I have to remain in the presence of God. I have to be patient. I guarantee you St. Peter was not thankful for the opportunity to deny Christ. I don't, I don't think he was thankful if there was like a snarky comment maybe from one of the disciples after that. I don't think he was thankful for any of those things. I don't think he was thankful. But I guarantee you by remaining in his presence... By being patient, he would live the rest of his life being thankful for that encounter that he had with Christ. He's forever thankful for that encounter. This is the difference. When We talk talking about being thankful. Sometimes we think about being thankful just about the gift, just about the thing that God gives us. But I'm saying no. Thankfulness is not circumstance. Thankfulness is not just when things are good. It's a mindset. It's an action. It's definitely not a feeling. Lord knows there's going to be times where I don't feel thankful. It's not a feeling, but it's about being thankful in the giver, and the one who holds all the gifts. It's quoted by His Holiness the late Pope Shenouda. He says it this way: He says, "If we thank God concerning gifts only, then our love is for gifts, not for God, the giver of the gifts. If, however, we give thanks to God over tribulation, we prove that we love God Himself and not only His gift." That we do not only love him for what he gives us, whether it's wealth, generosity, comforts of life, or what he grants us of calmness and peace. You see what he's saying here? He's saying this is the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is not just being thankful for the gifts. And he talks about physical gifts, like he talks about like wealth and whatever and comforts of life, but he even talks about like spiritual gifts. He says that's not the goal. The goal is not to be thankful, of course be thankful for those things. But he says not just those things. We have to go beyond those things. We have to be thankful for the giver himself. If we focus only on gifts, and we become reliant only on gifts, then what's gonna to happen to us when we're, things are bad in front of us, when we go through really difficult things? I'm not gonna get the bad diagnosis from the doctor and think about, oh, thank God I have a house. That's not how, like, we're not robots. That's not how, that's not how it works, right? But in that moment, even though I'm confused, I don't get it. Think about the five loaves and the two fish. Disciples saw five loaves and two fish. Fantastic. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Don't quite get it. Okay? That's, that's, they didn't get it. But they saw that. And he said, Even though I don't get it, I got to remain in the presence of God. Because he's the giver of gifts. I don't get it. But I want to live that life of Thanksgiving with him. When we can look to God and say, Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for you. Thank you, God, for your mercy. Thank you, God, because you are mercy. Thank you, God, because you are love. And even in the moments where I don't feel it, even in the moments I don't get it, thank you, God. When we can do that, then we're able to overcome the circumstances. We're able to be a people of thanksgiving despite the things going on around us. My prayer, and and hopefully this series has has touched you the way it's it's affected me. Um, My prayer is that this series is like, we allow it to really penetrate our hearts. And again, the first, we kind of look at the foundations. What are the things that we need to do to kind of set the foundation, to set the soil, to make sure things are in order? Second week, we talked about letting it go. This week, we're talking about how to remain thankful, sustainability. And to me, the answer to sustainability, it's simple. We don't like how simple it is, but this is how simple it is, is we remain in the presence of God. We continue in our relationship with him no matter what's going on. We're patient, even when we're confused, even when we don't understand. And then ultimately, we expect to receive that custom, handmade gift from God and we don't know what that looks like but I promise you whatever it is that he's going to give you he's there with you and he's walking with you step by step hopefully you got to experience some of that during the series maybe you'll watch it maybe you'll send it to a friend or whatever it may be but in the end I trust that if we are following this truthfully that I believe with all my heart that God can turn us into people of thanksgiving and can transform our hearts and our minds let's stand up and pray together In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you for just being an awesome God, being a God that loves us so much, uh, the one that is is always just taking care of us, um, whether we see it or don't see it, whether we understand or don't understand. Help us, Lord, trust in you. Help us, Lord, remain in your presence. Remain in your presence when, when we're doubting, when we're confused, when we're angry, when we're sad, whatever it may be. Might not get it. But allow us, Lord, to remain in your presence. Allow us to trust that you are still in, in the midst of everything with us, Lord, that you're there holding us by the hand. Allow us, Lord, to be patient. We, Lord, Lord, we know we struggle with that sometimes and, and we rely on your grace for that. Allow us to be patient, Lord. And allow us, Lord, to believe that you're a good God, that you're a God that, that gives generously and that whatever it is that comes from your hand, Lord, it is what is good for us in the long run. Lord, we believe in you, we trust you, and we love you. Help us, Lord, in our weakness. Pray, Lord, that during the season of Advent that you continue to prepare our hearts to receive you more fully, and hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, Lord.